Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2. Last couple of weeks, we have been looking at the characteristics of a healthy church. <clears throat> and we're going to finish that up this morning. Uh, at least that's my intention, anyway. Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> we have been looking at the first century church in the book of Acts as the example of a healthy church. And it is important that we look at what God says is a healthy church and not what men say is a healthy church. Uh, because <clears throat> if it was... Uh, the, the health of a church was determined by how we feel and how we think, um, then uh, there would be a lot of um, problems within the church. So the, the idea here is that we need to use Scripture as the scale uh, when uh, examining the health of a church. <clears throat> uh, let, let me... Let me say this, there is an important fact that we often overlook uh, when, when we uh, are trying to compare uh, things in Scripture. Um, and it, particularly in this uh, case, the, <clears throat> the, the important fact is this. The church in Acts chapter 2 was not a perfect church. Am I talking to people? Okay, all right. <laughs> Man, I just, okay. <laughs> um, okay, the church was not perfect. Uh, and the church is still not perfect. Okay? Uh, we know that the church in Acts was not perfect because just four chapters later, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, uh, four chapters later in, in Acts chapter 6, there is a major conflict within the church just as when a a, a healthy body uh, is cut or, or or has a broken bone or, or something uh, <clears throat> your body heals itself or at least it should if you're healthy and you cut yourself or whatever, uh, infections get in, and, and you know we have medications and things to help with those things, but our body, God made our bodies to heal themselves. And, and the church, Paul likens the, 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 the New Testament church to a body um, on multiple occasions in the New Testament. And there's, it's, there's no difference. <clears throat> Every year... Uh, I, I go to the doctor to get a physical. Uh, I, I mentioned this last week. I'm in the VA system, and one of the things that the VA system requires is that you get a, an annual checkup, which I appreciate. I, I think it's a good idea. Um, so anyway, every year, uh, in fact, I just went and got the blood drawn last week, I think it was. Um, every year, they, they, they take out a whole bunch of blood, and what do they do? They take all these, you know, half dozen of these little vials, and and what what do they do? They check everything under the sun, right? Uh, <clears throat> your your cholesterol levels and blah 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 blah. Um, and it, it, I find it interesting every year that 
at least with the VA, I, I can go online and pull up all my blood work. And it'll say, you know, like I'll pick on cholesterol. Uh, your cholesterol is, you know, whatever. And then next to it, it has a, a, a num it has a set of numbers that as long as you're within these two numbers, you're healthy. So I have a picture for you, and, and this is not from the VA, uh, but it it it, it kind of gives you kind of what I'm talking about. You have ranges. So uh, so high cholesterol is 240 or above. Now many of you are sitting there thinking, I'm in big trouble, because we all know that cholesterol, high cholesterol, is bad for us, right? At least we should all know that. <clears throat> And then borderline is uh, 200 to 239. Anyway, so and so on and so forth. That triglycerides and all of these things. I don't even know what a triglyceride is. And to be perfectly honest, I don't care. <clears throat> now, my doctor, I mean, that's why doctors get paid, right? Okay. So anyway, so my, my point is this. Is there such, oh, oh, and then you have within cholesterol, you have HDL and LDL. I have no idea what that is. I know one of them's good and one of them's bad. <laughs> what? Oh, there you go. Okay. Hey. So, so there you go. <laughs> You, you know, I, a couple years ago, I went in for my annual checkup, and my nurse was looking at all of my numbers, and she checked my blood pressure, my pulse, and everything. And, and she looks at me with this puzzled look on her face, and she says, do you run or exercise or anything like that? And I looked at her, and I said, does this body look like a body that runs? <laughs> You know, I, I'm just saying, but, but you know, the, the, the reality is my body, and, the, and some of you are going to hate me for this, but I always tend to have low cholesterol. Some of you fight high cholesterol, and some of you even have to take medicine because of it. <clears throat> I, when I was in my 20s, I used to have to eat things that had cholesterol to keep my levels up. <clears throat> you know, so, okay, my, my point is this. Is there such thing as perfect health? <laughs> okay, my point is there's no such thing as a perfect health level. Okay, everything is within, within ranges. Because there's no such thing as perfect when it comes to our health. We can be healthy, but we cannot be perfect. Does that make sense? Because if we could be perfectly healthy, then doctors would be out of business. But the reality is, we will never be perfectly healthy. We can be healthy but we'll never be perfectly healthy. So in comparison to our church, as we, <clears throat> as we compare the first century church 
to a healthy body, remember that we can we can attain for perfection, but we'll probably never attain it. Why? Because churches are full of people. It has been said by pastors, pastoring would be a great job if it weren't for people. Right? And the reality is, when you have people in the mix, you're going to have imperfection. It's just part of it. Let me give you an example. Many of you know Pastor Kehiawat down in San Diego. He's he's come up here and preached for us many times over the years. So many of you know uh, Pastor Pastor Kehiawat. The nut runs marathons. I mean, for a, for a fun day, he'll go out and run ten miles. What a nut! I mean, that's a that's fun to him. I think he's a little crazy, but. But the reality is this. <clears throat> the reality is this. Pastor Kihiwat right now is at home. He's not in church. Because he's trying to get his heart healthy so he can have a quadruple bypass. On the outside, he looks incredibly healthy. But his heart... I mean, he, what was it, about three months, two months ago, three months ago? He actually coded on the table. So you can't go by what you see. Health is something that comes from the inside out, not the outside in. We have looked at the characteristics, and so far we've looked at seven of the ten characteristics found in uh, Acts chapter 2. We've looked at the the fact that the the church should be proclaiming truth. It should be soul conscious. Uh, Discipleship, fellowship, worship, prayer should be a huge part of what we do as a church. And holiness. Those are the seven that we've looked at so far. And these seven seven characteristics and the three that we're about to look at uh, today all point to one thing. And, and I appreciated the, the music this morning. The, the music this morning all focus on us as individuals standing on Jesus Christ. And all ten of the characteristics that we're about to, that, that we've looked at and we are going to see this morning all focus on Jesus Christ being the center of Grace Baptist Church. Grace Baptist Church is, should never be about any one individual it should be about Jesus Christ everyone that comes to Grace Baptist Church should walk away from this place saying I saw Jesus It's not about anything else, but about Jesus Christ. So let's look at number eight this morning. Number eight. We see it in uh, Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 44 and 45. 
And all that believeth were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. Uh, Your patience with us. The fact that we are frail human beings that need you. We are so thankful and grateful. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So number eight, sacrificial. Grace Baptist Church should be sacrificial. A healthy church should be sacrificial. So now, all of a sudden, I know that there's somebody out there thinking, oh, here we go. He's preaching on money. And let me say this. Uh, I'm not preaching on money. Okay? Uh, Those of you that know me know that I I, I hate money. Uh, I I absolutely despise money. Uh, I I think the world would be a lot better place without it. But these two verses have nothing to do with money. Now, now the context here, they're dealing with money. But the, but the, the whole point here has nothing to do with people. What these people were, 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 were doing is far bigger than throwing a few bucks in the offering plate. There's a whole there's a there's a huge difference between giving an offering and sacrificing. And these people were sacrificial in what they were doing. They saw the needs in the lives of other people. And they said, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to help meet the needs of those individuals. To the point where they were selling possessions. There is a story in the New Testament that Jesus tells that I believe helps us understand what true sacrifice sacrifice is really all about. And the story is in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 to 44. It says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor woman, uh, excuse me, widow, and she threw in two mites, which made a farthing. And he called unto his, uh, him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow cast, in, cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now here's the word picture. Now this is important we get a hold of this. What would happen was <clears throat> the Jews would come to the temple to to give their offerings. And they were they were these they had these big metal, probably made out of brass, um, drum looking offering receptacles we'll call them and what the jews would do is they would they would get all of their currency in coinage 
and they would cast or they would throw that all this money into these big receptacles and it would make a lot of noise and and it was a, it was a show it was all about it was all about hey look at me look at what i'm doing and and <clears throat> jesus even has to get his disciples attention to show him what the widow was doing over here because they were so concentrated on the show that was being that was being displayed the 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 Jews that were walking in with all this money and they were and they would they would make a big display and they would throw all this money in and make all this racket to show everybody how important they were and Jesus had to get to his the, the disciples attention and he says okay hey guys over here let's look over here what they are doing is they are they are giving offerings. They are making a show. It is it is not about giving to God. It is about hey, look at me. But this lady over here has got it right. Two mites. A mite was the smallest denomination available at the time. Basically, two mites in our economy today, two of them put together might equal a penny. And she threw in her penny. In the day, the common working person, that was a day's wages. Now this woman needed people to give to her. That's how poor she was. See, sacrifice, and the thing that Jesus was trying to point out to his disciples is sacrifice has got nothing to do with the almighty dollar, but everything to do with the heart. And what, what this woman did was far greater in the eyes of heaven than what all of the other people had done. Why? Because they were not sacrificing. As Grace Baptist Church, we need to understand that we need to be sacrificial people. Does that mean we have to go sell everything that we have? And, and no, that that that's not that's not the context here. But when somebody in the in the family needs, the first place that they should turn is to their family. And we as a church should be able to meet those needs. That's what it's talking about. That's the mark of a healthy church. There are three things that this story in Mark chapter 12 can teach us. Number one, the first thing that we can learn from this is God sees what man overlooks. You know, in a, a few minutes ago, we had the offering and, and, and you know, we have offering plates and, and <clears throat> you know, I, I didn't see anybody standing over there and say, hey, I'm putting something in today. Everybody see this? Okay, but that's what the Jews used to do. 
our heart attitude should be, hey, I, I get to give something to God this morning, and I just walk over and I just put it in play, and nobody, hopefully nobody sees me. Because it's not about the, the, the money, it's about the heart. And God sees the heart where man sees the outside. The second thing that we can learn from this is God evaluates, God's evaluation is different than men's evaluations. The, the disciples were so taken by the show that was going on, by all the people throwing all the coins into the receptacles, that they didn't even notice the widow giving her entire life savings. I gave everything. They were so taken by it. Why, why is that? Because, you know what, we, we see the outside, but God sees the heart. Look at verses 44 and 45 again. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. That's a huge, huge thing. There was no selfish actions there. They were willing to do whatever it took to meet the needs of others. God measures sacrifice through the attitude of the heart. The third thing that we can learn from this is that God commends giving by faith. God commends it. So what, what, did, what did we do? We see here the woman over here giving her two mites and Jesus recognizes it and, and calls his disciples and says, hey, come over here and watch this because this is true sacrifice. God commends giving by faith. But God c condemns giving for show. I have a weird question for you. Does God need your money? Absolutely not. God doesn't need our money. What does he, what does he need? Our hearts. See, because if, if God has our hearts, then he's got your wallet. And, 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 you know, we're talking about sacrifice here, and it, and it sounds silly, but, you, you know, giving peanut butter once a year to the food bank. You know, we can, we can go in and buy peanut butter, and my wife and I bought a whole bunch the other day and brought it in and put it there, and, and you know, we'll probably get some more along the way. But the, my, my point is this, you know, it seems so in, insignificant. And to be honest... Most of us could 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 buy a lot of peanut butter and not even make a difference in our income. But the people that receive it, 
some people, I imagine, it can make the difference between going hungry for a day or not. See, it's a matter. It's a. It's a. It, it is. It is a matter of the attitude of the heart. What's important to us this morning? Sacrifice. Number nine. <clears throat> they were unified. And this is this is where it gets sticky. Okay? Because you you when you have when you have people, you have what? You have opinions. And different opinions. There you go. There you go. Crunchy or creamy, baby. Now, you know, hey, I just, you know, <clears throat> I'm the pastor, so I say crunchy is the way to go. <clears throat> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <clears throat> look at look at verse 46. And they continued <clears throat> daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Unified. They were unified. The, the, the phrase with one accord literally means united or to have one mind. Now, <clears throat> question. Can Grace Baptist Church, with all of these individual people and all the different opinions and backgrounds and, and, and histories and all of the things that make us individuals, can we still be unified? Absolutely we can. Now, does that mean we are always going to agree on everything? Absolutely not but we can be unified around Jesus Christ. As long as Jesus Christ stays the center of Grace Baptist Church, we can be unified around that. Earlier I said that uh, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And I and I said that uh, the church here in Acts chapter 2 uh uh, experienced problems. Uh, turn over to Acts chapter 6, if you would, please. Acts chapter 6. The, the, the church in, in, in Acts chapter 2 and following here uh, was growing exponentially. Uh, the day of Pentecost, they, they baptized how many believers? 3,000 believers. And that was day one of the church. And the church was growing exponentially. Look at Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, and in those days, what days were those? Those are the days of growth. The church was going through massive growing pains. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. So what was happening in Acts chapter 2? The, 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 the needs of the people were being met. But by Acts chapter 6, the church had grown so big and so fast that they couldn't keep up with everything. And people were being neglected and, 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 the, and there, was a, there was a big conflict that, was, that could have absolutely destroyed the church. So what did they do? 
they started talking trash and stabbing each other in the back, right? <laughs> Isn't that what happens in most churches today? Start gossiping. Start start talking trash about people. Well, no, they didn't do that. They came together as a group and they said, okay, hey, how can we fix this? Look at verse 2. It says, then the 12 called the multitude. It didn't, they, they didn't just call a few. They called the multitude of disciples into them and said, it is not reason that we uh, should leave the word of God to serve tables. They weren't elevating them, themselves. They were saying, look, we can't do it all. It's impossible. We just can't do it all. Wherefore, brethren, look out among you seven men of holy, uh, 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 of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to ministering, uh, ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And then they chose the seven men. What did they do? They came together in unity. They were unified and they solved the problem. Now, just out of curiosity, do you know where they got the idea from? Moses. Very good. What happened in the life of Moses when the children of when the children of Israel left Egypt? Moses was the man. He was he was it. And if you had conflict, <clears throat> you had to go to Moses, and Moses would then say, "Okay, you know, you know, whatever this, you know, he would be the, he was the judge, if you would." And Jethro, who was Jethro, his father-in-law, came to him and said, "Hey, you're killing yourself." You cannot keep doing this. Because he would literally, from sun up to sundown, he would sit and people would dump their problems on him. And Jethro, his father-in-law, says, hey, you can't keep doing this. You need help. <clears throat> Exodus chapter uh, 18, verses 21 and 22. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men such as fear God. Boy, does that sound familiar to what we just read? In, in, in Acts, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them uh, to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifty and rulers of ten. And let them judge people uh, at all seasons. And it shall be that <clears throat> every uh, great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall judge so shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. The key phrase there is, they will bear the burden with you. You can't do it by yourself. And the New Testament church in Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> you know, hey, I, I don't know how they did it with a church of three to 4,000, 5,000, but by the time it got into Acts chapter 6, I mean, it is huge. And people were being neglected, and they, the, 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 the apostles were smart enough to realize, hey, we can't do it on our own. We need people. We need help. And the church came together and unified and chose people to go out 
and, and help lighten the burden. That is how a church is supposed to work. It's not anyone's personal responsibility to do all the work. Now, <clears throat> those of you that know me know I'm a numbers statistic kind of guy. And, and I get a lot of uh, articles and magazines and things about you know pastors and churches and different things. And, they, and, they, and what the, the statistic I'm about to give you is across the, 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 the realm of everything that calls itself a church. But this is a well-known statistic among churches in America today. 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. It ought not be like that. When 10% of the people are doing 90% of the work, something's going to get missed. And the, and the body of Christ is going to be hurt because of it. Everybody that is part of Grace Baptist Church should be part of Grace Baptist Church. Not just sitting here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night warming a pew and walking out of here saying, wow, Pastor, that was a good message. Thank you. I needed that. We have a community to reach. And it's going to take all of us working together to do it. As long as Jesus Christ is the common denominator, we can be unified. And then number 10, we see in verse 47. <clears throat> Let me go back here. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to, uh, <clears throat> to the church daily such as should be saved. Number 10, Grace Baptist Church should be a church that is praising God. It should be a praising church. You know, tonight we have the opportunity to come together as a church and, and give God praise for the things he's done in our lives. But it shouldn't be limited to an occasional event that we do as a church. We should be doing it all the time. Now, I'm not going to, for time's sake this morning, but I, I actually thought about this, but I'm not going to. <clears throat> I could, I, what, what would you do if I stuck my finger out and I just started pointing at people and said, hey, what, what do you have to praise God about? Now, some of you would just slide right out of your chair onto the floor. But it ought not be like that. The fact that you're breathing gives, should give you reason to praise God. The fact that you, you, you're healthy, and you say, but Pastor, I'm not healthy. You're here. Okay? I mean, we have so much to praise Him for as individuals. 
But as a church, we have so much to praise him for. This, this church in Acts chapter 2 was not a church that was enamored with success. They, they, they weren't going around saying, hey, look how big we are. And, and you know, one of the, 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 one of the stupid things that pastors do when they get together is they ask this question, hey, how's your church doing? That is code. This, it's pastor code for how many people are come to your church. That's, that's pastor code. Okay? <clears throat> and, and so, in other words, what we do is we gauge how a church is doing numerically, do we not? Don't do that. That, that is about the craziest thing we can do as a church. In the book of Revelation, the, the, first, the first part of book, the book of Revelation, we, they, there is a list of seven churches. We call it the seven churches of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, there's one of those churches. It's the church of Ephesus. Uh, <clears throat> let's start reading in verse 1. It says, And unto the church, the angel of the church of Ephesus. Uh, let me little stop right here. As you're reading these, whenever it refers to the angel, it's referring to the pastor. Okay? That's just so. Not that we're angels. Anything but. But that's what, that's what it's referring to. Okay? So the, so Jesus is, is directing this statement to the pastor of the church. Okay? So unto the angel or the pastor of the church of Ephesus, write... These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labors, and thy patience, and thou hast uh, not, um, thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them uh, which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne. Uh, and has patience for my name's sake, had labored, and has found, uh, and hath not fainted. So he starts out this letter to the pastor of the church of Ephesus, saying, hey, look, I've, I've seen all the good things you're doing. The patience and the long-suffering and the, the, the fact that, that you recognize when somebody is not teaching things that are not correct. You're doing a lot of things right. Verse 4. Nevertheless. Or you could say, but I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. What was he trying to communicate to the church of Ephesus? Hey, you know what? You're doing everything right. You, on this, everything, you're doing it all right, but you're doing it all for the wrong reason. You're playing church. You're not living church. And when we play church, Christ is not the center. 
But when we live church, Jesus Christ is the center. What did he say here? I have somewhat against thee. Thou hast lost thy first love. They had no, I, I, I quoted that wrong. Let's go back and read it again. Because thou hast left. The word lost, I used the word lost a moment ago, gives the idea that, oh, it was an accident. The word here, the word left, is an intentional word. It literally means to abandon. And when we as a church, when Grace Baptist Church purposely abandons Jesus Christ as being the center of our church, we shift from being, from living church to playing church. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have what? Preeminence. Everything that Grace Baptist Church needs to do needs to rotate around Jesus Christ. Now we've looked at ten characteristics over the last three weeks, and each one of these characteristics all point to the fact that Jesus Christ needs to be the center of our church. How much does Jesus Christ love Grace Baptist Church? Let me ask you this. How much does Jesus Christ love you? He loves he loves you enough that he gave his life for you, did he not? How much does he love Grace Baptist Church? Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25. Husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and what? Gave himself for it. The least we could do is give him praise. The least we could do is live for him. Now, I, I know, I hate to admit it, but I know Grace Baptist Church will never be a perfect church. Never. But as long as we strive to keep Jesus Christ the center, we can be a healthy church. And as problems come, and they will come, we can unify and we can fix problems. But when we become more important than Jesus Christ, then we are no longer a healthy church. I think I shared this last week, but I want to share it again. I love the, the, the Latin phrase, Christocentric. Christ-centered. 
Let's be a Christocentric church. That Jesus Christ is the center of everything we do. Proclaiming truth, soul consciousness, discipleship, fellowship, worship, prayer, holiness, sacrifice, unified, and praising. And as long as we will keep Jesus Christ in the center, all those things can be possible. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your precious love. And Lord, the work that you do in our lives and the work that you do uh, in our church, Lord, we are fallible human beings that you have called to accomplish much We don't understand it. We will probably never understand it this side of heaven. But Lord, you have chosen human beings to be the vessels in which your word is proclaimed. You even call it the foolishness of preaching. And Lord, we ask that you would guide and direct in our lives as we bring our service to an end, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would challenge us in, in so many areas in our lives. Help us, dear God, to be more like you in everything that we say and do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you in closing, has God spoken to your heart this morning? I, I have no idea what he could have spoke to your heart about. We talked about so many things this morning. But is there anybody who would say, Pastor, 